The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening. Welcome to Winning Ponies. I am your host, Ed Meyer. Thank you for tuning in each and every Thursday at PM Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the Sport of Kings. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. Winning Ponies rolling right along. And we hope that you were on board. I always say that because it's the truth. Same thing, week in, week out, I give you an update. And it's not about a student here on horn. It's we want to be successful for you. If not, no problem. It's never too late to get connected. Winning Ponies is more than just an Internet radio show. As we are a full-service racing data provider with some of the best predictions in the game, Winning Ponies is on Twitter, Facebook, and offers out blogs, pre-selections, racing news, and easy-to-use interactive predictions that are color-coded, tiered, and can be used from new players to hardcore handicappers. Exotic predictions are over 8.4 million in 2010 and growing, and the ball keeps it rolling. Check us out at www.winningponies.com. Check it out for yourself. Check it out testimonials. Check out the free selections. They're always around the hunt. If they don't score, they're always around the hunt. Some prices, some chalks, some in-between. The best part about it, they're free. Doesn't hurt to take a look. Take a look at winningponies.com. I think you're going to like what you see. I have, and that's been in 2008. Still hanging out with these guys. Still enjoying it. What's happening tonight? we got a recap of last week's races. Biggins. And some up-to-the-minute news flashes. Special guest tonight. We're going to have Dose. That means two. We're going to chat with New York Phenom trainer Chad Brown, a man who has five wins from leading the nation, Mr. Deshaun Parker. Chad Brown first, Deshaun Parker second. News from the world of racing, final furlong handicapping. I'll tell you what, it is tough to tag down people. Sometimes work takes them away. Sometimes it's other things. Sometimes their schedule just doesn't allow. Deshaun Parker spoke to him today. He's had a soccer game for his son. Chad Brown, he just sounds busy, but what a guy. Both guys are under 40 and just tearing it up. So that's what's happening. Let's kick it off. We've got a lot of business to attend to tonight. Let's kick it off with a recap of last week. Let's go to Parks Racing at Philadelphia Park. I like how they're putting that now. Parks at Philadelphia. I guess that branding name of Parks just isn't catching on just yet, but give it time. The Pennsylvania Derby Grade (laughs) 2, I almost said it again, Parks Racing at Philadelphia Park, Pennsylvania Derby Grade 2. Mile and an eighth on a dirt, a million up for grabs. One of the five morning line, Johnny Velasquez in town, wins by a neck. Off the rail, came up again, 960 to win. For Nicky Zito, who's off the schneid. Nice million dollar 
Bonus there, $600,000 to the victor. Welcome back to the club, Nick. You never left. Don't call it a comeback, as the man said. Nick never left. Louisiana Downs, September 25th, race 11. Super Derby, grade two, a mile and eighth on the dirt, $500,000 up for grass. Winners of three apart, Jesse Campbell is the pilot, wins by a length and a half. Pulled the rail, angled four wide and up in the late stride, 660 to win for little Al Stahl. You're going to hear his name a little later. And then we go on to Belmont Park, September 25th, race 9. The Gallon Bloom Handicap, grade 2. Six and a half on the dirt. Winners of five, my Jen, Julian Le Peru. Wins by a head. He's back up late, 26-60 to win for Eddie Keneally, his go-to man. Delaware Park, September 25th, race 8. The Kent Stakes, grade 3. Mile and an eighth on the turf. Winners the one, Grand Rapport. Ramon Dominguez in the Irons wins by a half a length rated hard drive and up in the final strides. 580 to win for Gary Contessa. Yes, and he can strike outside of Belmont. Woodbine, September 26th, race 8. The Celine Stakes, grade 3, a mile and 16th. On the all weather Woodbine, winner of the 8 Biofuel, Eurico Da Silva in the Irons. Wins by a solid two lengths, all slow driving. Circled them down the stretch like they were just tied to the post. 260 to win for Reed Baker. These guys must be batting about 80% together. Then we go to Hastings Racecourse. British Columbia Derby, grade three, a mile and an eighth on the dirt. 150,000 for grass. Winner is the eight majestically. Richard Hamill is the pilot. Wins by half a length. Whoa, four wide in driving. 8260 to win for Barbara Heads. Big balloons there. So a little recap of last week's action. If you were tied up and couldn't get out to the races. Read something here. ESPN ranks them sports. Ranks them sports. Yes, you heard me right. Now, this is what they've been taking as far as their poll and their blog. One, the NFL. Two, college football. Three, Major League Baseball. Four, college basketball. Five, the NBA. Six, the NHL. Seven, horse racing. 23% put it on top. There you go for the non-believers. Got some sad news to mention here. Derby winner, real quiet dies. Good friend of mine. She used to have it on her wall. Had Bob Baffert with a finger over his mouth. Real quiet, who was nosed out of becoming racing's 12th Triple Crown winner, died September 27th in a paddock accident at Michael Jester's Penridge Farm near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. 15-year-old son of quiet American was examined at the University of Pennsylvania New Bolton Center. Can you hear that 15-year-old son? It seems like real quiet was just thundering down the, down the lane yesterday. Either on the racetrack or as a stallion, real quiet, always performing the highest level. He's going to be greatly missed. Originally purchased at an auction for 17000 by Mike Pegram, real quiet, engaged in a contentious battle with Victory Gallup, all three races, written by Ken Sleepy DeSormo, and all three, real quiet, defeated Victory Gallup by a half in the Derby, then by two and a quarter, and the Preakness in the Belmont, real quiet, led by four lengths of the eighth ball. But succumbed to Victory Gallup's relentless drive and was beaten by a dirty nose. Gosh, it seems like yesterday. Despite not racing again that year, real quiet was voted champion three-year-old male. Bob Baffert was quoted as saying he's been looking for one ever since. Real quiet, they used to call him the fish. Because when you looked at him from head on, he wasn't real wide, wasn't real girthy, beefy. 
kind of thin as you looked at him from the head on. They called him the fish. Going to be missed. Rachel Alexander, 2009 Horse of the Year, is retired. Wrote a blog about this. It's not one of these, I told you so. It was just, boy, I was sure hoping so. Will you ever forget the 19 and a quarter victory in the Mother Goose beating Ruffian's 13 and a half record? Defeating the boys in the Haskell and then became the first filly to defeat older males in Woodward? Rachel Alexander named 2000 Horse of the Year after a three-year-old campaign in which she defeated males. Preakness, Haskell, and Woodward has been retired. Majority owner Jess Jackson announced news release Tuesday. As you know, despite top training and patient campaign, Rachel did not return to 2009 form. I believe it's time we retire our champion and reward her with a less stressful life. We're delighted she'll retire healthy and happy to our beautiful farm in Kentucky. Get this. Talked about it. Boy, I'm so happy to hear it. Rachel... Alexander will be bred to Curlin, who won Horse of the Year Award for Jackson in 2007 and 8. Imagine what possibilities those two super horses might produce, Jackson said in the release. Think about it. Rachel Alexandra, you're looking at 19 total starts, 13 wins, 11 were black type. Those are graded stakes, 1, 2, and 3, black type, 5 seconds. That's 18 out of 19. Go back here. I'm looking at Rachel Alexander. It was a four-and-a-half furlong race at Churchill. Ran six with B.J. Hernandez aboard. Was 26-1. to one. B.J. Hernandez probably looks back and kicks himself in a rump as he came back and scored in a, a maiden victory and then second in the debutante and rode him a couple of times. And then after that, it was all the Calvin Burrell show. Rachel Alexander, a bit by Medallia Dioro. Had a lot of Kim by Roar. Breeding up and down, trained by Steve Asmussen, owned by Stoner Street Stables. Going to miss Rachel. Wasn't it fun that we got to see her, though? Mm. I cannot wait to see the babies running around. we got a gentleman on hold we're going to be jumping out to. we got Mr. Chad Brown on hold. Talk about a guy that uh, you're going to be hearing his name or reading his name in the form in whatever publication you choose. He is tearing them up in New York. We're going to be chatting with him. I spoke with him briefly today. I probably woke him up from a well-deserved nap. Got some sad news here. Jockey Mark Anthony Vila dies at Zia Park spill. Ryder died as a result of the spill in the seventh race at Zia Park on Saturday, according to spokesman for the Hobbs New Mexico track. His mount separate money broke down after finishing second in a trial race. For the Hobbs American Quarter Horse Futurity rider was on the ground. He was taken to a nearby hospital where he was pronounced dead. He began riding in 1983, won 1,726 races from 13,843. That's pretty good. For mount earnings, get a hold of this, 7,360,253 of his wins. 1,076 were thoroughbred, 648 with quarters. Very versatile. Very versatile. Mark Anthony Villadias at Zia Park. Anytime one goes down, we all take a pause. He's going to be missed, not only by family and friends there, but the entire racing community. And as you've heard me speak to that fact time after time, that racing is a community, no matter what track and circuit you're on. It's kind of funny, you know, there's a he said, she said, and we all compete against each other, but when someone goes down or someone's in need, the racing community circles the wagons and they take care of their own. He's in our prayers. Here's something kind of cool. 
end up here on a positive note before we book on now to our first break. Ticketing package offered for horse racing and football. Little ponies in pigskins. Presented by Kroger, Churchill Downs, the University of Louisville are teaming up to offer a special ticket package for a weekend racing and college football in November. 25 bucks a person. Purchasing a ticket package can watch Louisville take on Big East Conference rival South Florida on Saturday, November 13th. Papa John's Stadium in Louisville. The next day, fans can attend a day of thoroughbred racing at Churchill Downs. The deal includes an upper deck seat for the football game and a reserve seat on Millionaire's Row or the Sky Terrace for Sunday racing. Now, isn't that cool? If you've never been to Churchill Downs, Papa John's Stadium is a good rubber ball throw away. Well, maybe for me, I might need to drive it with, you know, maybe a three iron. But I'll tell you what, they are very close. The Louisville Cardinals play there. All the high school teams play their champions there. Papa John's, that is. And you know what's going to happen first week of November at Churchill Downs. Well, it is time to head into a break. And when we return, and we are going to return, we're going to be chatting with this week's special guest, up-and-coming red-hot trainer, Mr. Chad Brown. And you're only going to get it if you stay tuned here on Winning Ponies. And I buy the bar, double round the crown, and everybody's getting down in this town. Ain't never going to be the same. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccianello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back to Winnie Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking your time to be with us this night, this nice evening here. Beautiful evening. Follows in the in the wings. It's ready to spring upon us. Joining us this evening is native of, I believe, of Saratoga Springs. Lives and hails from Mechanicsville. A young and upcoming trainer, bound to be a name we're going to be hearing from for a long time to come. Mr. Chad Brown. Chad, are you there? Yes, I am. We're very glad to have you on, and thanks for taking your time out from your busy schedule, sir. Thanks for having me. Did I get that right? Uh, born in Saratoga Springs and hailing from Mechanicsville? Yeah, actually born in Mechanicsville, and now I, I live in Saratoga, but they're very close. Only about uh, Mechanicsville is about 15 minutes from Saratoga, so upstate New York. Upstate New York, and uh, you know what? I had a fifty-fifty chance, Chad, and I knew I would blow it. I, I just, you know, I had no, no, no doubt that I would blow it. One thing I haven't blown was cashing a few tickets on you. I know that's something a trainer doesn't, you know, concern himself with. But you know, uh, gambling and gaming—that's what makes the the racing world goes round. And, but before I get off and start uh, woohooing uh, about some of the tickets I gashed, uh, would you mind telling our listeners how a young man from upstate New York—I can't mess that one up found his way into training horses? Well, growing up around Saratoga, going to the track with my parents and stuff, I just um, really fell in love with horses and horse racing. So I started to explore ways to kind of work my way in. And the first thing I did was work with standard bred horses because that's something we have more of a year-round thing up upstate. And um, so I started working with standard breds first when I was about 15 running standard breads and traveling around the different tracks, racing them and stuff. And then uh, by the time I got to college, um, I spent my summers um, working for Shug McGahey down at Belmont Park. That was my first thoroughbred job, uh, walking hot and then grooming horses after that and kind of working my way up with him. You know, uh, pleading ignorance to the area, I'm, I'm a Kentucky native and is Saratoga Springs, now is there a separate harness oval close to the the uh, facility for thoroughbreds? Yeah, it's right across the street, actually, on um, on the other side of the track. Um, there's a harness track there, and there's some, a lot of farms in the area, and, you know, the standard bred horses, they can race a little bit better in the cold weather. They're hardier horses, and they can train in it better. So um, it's, it's something that um, we can do pretty much year-round, um, either around Saratoga or New Jersey. 
I wanted to ask you, did you ever want to kick yourself in the rump for uh, not uh, not taking part with the Jugheads? No, I, I, I worked with them. I, I learned a lot of things working with standard horses, and it was a, a great way to start. I wouldn't have changed anything. But my real love for horses started going to the flat track, um, even younger than that. And uh, the standard job was a way for me to work with horses, period, to start with. And um, I met a lot of great horsemen there, and I still use some um, some horsemanship techniques I learned with standard breds today with my thoroughbreds. Whatever you learned, uh, I, I hope you keep it in a bottle and keep and keep doing it well. You know, I, I've read quite a bit about you, and so many wonderful, wonderful articles have been written about you. It was in 2007 you were working with Bobby Frankel. And uh, he returned home sick to attend to a, his dog, or excuse me, he returned home for his sick dog. And you stepped up on Breeders' Cup Day and had a humongous day for yourself stepping in for Bobby Frankel. Yeah, that was that was that was a special day. They trusted me. At that time, I had been with him uh, about five and a half years. So I worked my way up with Bobby to a level of trust where he, if he could leave me in a situation like that, I'd I'd been working with right with him in some previous Breeders' Cups and Kentucky Derbies and stuff like that. So he trained me well to, to handle it when he wasn't there. Saddling Ginger Punch to win the Breeders' Cup Distaff is, is no easy task, and there's a great deal of trust, and he must have thought the world of you. And, you know, things that I've heard from other horsemen in, in Kentucky, Keeneland, Churchill, they said that Bobby was a man of few words and really didn't impart that wisdom unless you really asked. He He didn't you know, just kind of rub it out on you. You had to really just kind of ask and, you know, seek him out. Yeah, you really did. You really had to watch, um, just really watch him, not even listen so much because he wouldn't say too much. But um, the more I watched him and the more I was around him and around his great staff, um, you just pick things up and you just absorb it. And um, I was very lucky working with Bobby. He took me into California. That's where I started so I left Shug and I went to work for Bobby. I moved out to California, and um, that's where things really went to a different level for me learning. We miss him greatly. It, it's it's hard to think of the game without Bobby Frankel. Uh, for me, for the longest time, you know, I, I kept seeing others uh, training his horses, and it was it was actually kind of hard to swallow. And I, and I know it is for you as well. You struck out on your own after working with Bobby Frankel, which is probably better than any university horse racing that could possibly be and it wasn't long before you picked up your first breeders cup winner of your own yeah that was that was really special because bobby won the race right before me with ventura and i I, when i left california i I didn't know when i'd ever come back again i knew i'd have to start at the when i eventually went on my own i'd have to start at the bottom and the only way i was going to be out in california was with a stake horse and Lo and behold, a year a year into training on my own, I had one already to go back to Santa Anita, and I spent a lot of a lot of mornings out there at Santa Anita, at Clocker's Corner, watching the horses train for Bobby, and taking care of that division, and it was a little bit of a homecoming right away. And for Bobby to win the race right before me was something else. Made it that much more special. I definitely don't mean this uh, to stick anything in an old wound or to scratch anything up. It was a bittersweet. Uh, time for you uh, winning the Breeders' Cup uh, with Moram that that day, and uh, you had a personal loss. I believe that I that I read it must have been extremely hard for you. Yeah, my grandfather passed away that week, 
and it was it was tough because um, my grandfather, you know, was close with him, and um, he he played a big role in, in raising me and my brother as far as doing things with us. He's a great grandfather, and uh, it was a tough decision to go out there or or stay back. And um, the day that they buried him was the day of the race. So my family really urged me to go out there and thought it would be good for the family to go out there and, and, and just in case something good happened out of it, and it did. So it worked out for everybody. I think you had an angel on your shoulder, my friend, and uh, I'm sure somebody was smiling down upon you. Chad, could you tell our listeners a little bit about 2010 at the Spa, Saratoga, and what were your plans when you came in? Well, we we thought we had a good handle on Saratoga this year. We were very fortunate that we have plenty of good clients now that sent me um, a lot of nice horses. And we started planning all the way back in the wintertime, really, at Palmetto's down in Florida for our Saratoga meet. And everything fell into place when the meet started. Um, we really focused on being ready right off the bat. So when you talked about extremely modest, you had uh, 56 starters. You're winning at 36, 30%, excuse me, and 54% in the money in the top three. That is just incredible. You're in the top ten. Pletcher, Mott, Jerkins, Linda Rice, Tony Dutro, Kieran, uh, Richard Dutro, Asmussen, uh, Little Al Stahl, and now Chad Brown's in the top ten. Do you feel like you've finally had your coming out party? Hello. Have we lost Mr. Brown? I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. did, did you feel that the spa was your coming out party? I mean, 54% in the money. It seemed like every time that I saw a horse actually saddled by you, I, I had to pay attention. Yeah, um, it was really good. It, it was our third year, our third Saratoga meet, and I think with Saratoga, every year you learn a little bit more what to do and what not to do. And... You know, we're learning as we go, and we're starting to get it right. I would say you're doing more than just getting it right. Uh, you know, it's it's really looking good. You don't have the sheer numbers of a Pletcher and Asmussen. How do you compete with the Mega Money Operations? Well, we just focus on quality. I don't. I work for a guy that operates a different type of system. And you know, Bobby. Yeah, we got up to 100 horses or over that, but it really didn't seem like a lot because he was very hands on and as was uh, Shug. Not to say the other two guys aren't. They're excellent horsemen, and they're very hands-on. I watch them, and I try to learn from trainers I've never worked for, like Todd and Steve. I watch them like a hawk. But their system is set up a little bit different. They have more divisions. They have more staff, very good staff, and it's just a different type of system. I wouldn't know how to operate that many horses just because I've never worked for anybody under that system. I only know the system I know. And that's more of um, just a little bit smaller number of horses and um, doing things a little bit more by hand. And, um, you know, I'm comfortable with, with that. Well, we, we can't squabble where you've, uh, where you've learned your craft and how you applied your trade. And rough, roughly, as I say, in 2010, roughly 227 starts, 48 first, 39 seconds, and 38 thirds. Usually you see a trainer have a, a great deal of wins and seconds and thirds kind of trickle off. It seems like all of your, all of your runners are actually right there. And 54% of the money at the spa, 
kind of spoke to that. That is an incredible. I mean, you have to you have to kind of stand back and just say, "Yeah, I think things are going pretty well. Let's let's keep on doing what we're doing." Yeah, it, Bobby always used to say something. He used to open up the racing form, and um, and he'd say, "See, the right hand column matters." And I, what is he talking about? And I started to look. Well, the money was on the right side of the column, and the wins <laughs> were on the left. So after a while, I understood what he meant. And you know, for us, every year our stable we're growing, and each year we've made more purse money, and that means um, a lot to me because um, that's what I'm trying to do for my clients is win races, but at the same time try to earn money for them and. Um, they can pay for this game without them we, we really won't have it so that's what we're focused on if the horses are running one two three then they're bringing in some money for everyone everyone's happy makes it fun and the game exponentially just grows and chad don't change a thing got five quick questions for you mr brown and uh just rat-a-tat-tat whatever comes to your mind you fired out there what time does your day begin and end Four thirty in the morning it begins and normally i'm done by about six PM. Wow. I mean, only, only what, a 14-hour day plus? That's incredible. Question two, is your family supportive of your traveling and being away from them? Very supportive. Uh, most of all, my wife, Terrell, and uh, we have a two-year-old daughter, Ava, at home, and she does a great job raising her um, for us, and um, they're, they're very supportive and understanding with the traveling. That is so important, and, and congratulations for both of a wonderful, uh, wonderful lady in your corner. It always seems behind every every good works of a man, there's a strong lady pulling the strings at home, and for your young daughter, and someday she'll understand why daddy was uh, away. Question three: If you got to train any horse in history, who would it be? Well, um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't. I'll tell you why it's a tough question for me. I was so fortunate to be around so many great horses, specifically with Bobby, that I was. Such, I became such a fan of him, working with him. I wouldn't want to have trained him because I couldn't have done as good a job as Bobby. So I focused more on horses I was with than than horses that I never was around. But um, it's hard to say because my favorite horses did so well. I'm so critical of training. I wouldn't do anything different. So the horses that I loved were trained well. We'll just say all. <laughs> and because uh, that's a man of his uh, man of his trade, do you feel racing is a dying sport or is it in a transitional phase? Transitional phase. I think that as an industry, I think we have to not be too much in a rush to modernize every aspect of the game. I think that we have to preserve the rich history of the game. The game has a lot more history than other sports. And I think we have to really use that to our advantage. Um, that would be my advice. I agree to that. Proper marketing, promoting, advertising, and uh, bringing in new players to the game. It's more of a cerebral sport than spinning a wheel and pulling a, a mind-numbing slot machine. But those, in part, uh, is for the racetracks that are succeeding, they're, they're actually working out in spades. Last question, Mr. Brown. If you could impart any wisdom to an up-and-coming trainer or someone wanting to get into racing, what would you tell them to prepare for? Long hours, a lot of traveling. My advice would be to surround yourself with successful people in the business. Whatever area of the industry you want to work in, whether it's training, breeding, 
bloodstock work or a jockey agent. Learn from somebody who's very successful. Surround yourself with those kind of people, and then you you know you'll learn to trade the right way. I like that hard work and learning at the feet of the master, and and uh, that's a tribute to uh, Bobby Frankel. I'm I'm sure in many ways, as you said, you had to watch more than ask. Chad, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for your time this evening and wish you and yours the best on and off the track. Good luck, and I know we're going to be seeing you in the Winter Circle soon. Thank you very much. Love to come back on the show sometime. Yes, sir. Chad Brown, a man in racing, trust you me, we're going to be seeing his name more and more. It is time to head out to a break. When we return, we got another man online, and I'm telling you what, he's number three in the country, and he's five ones away from Russell the Muscle, Mr. Deshaun Parker, and you're only going to get it here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Martin. Thank you for taking your time to be with us. It is time for yet another wonderful guest who has agreed to join us, and this is a gentleman. And just that, he is currently five wins away from leading the nation in wins, Mr. Deshaun Parker. Deshaun, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely here. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking your time. You came from a soccer game, and you said your son's team was... Uh, we ended up losing uh, on a penalty kick, so they lost uh, one nothing. But still, and all that—that that is quite the game to watch. And and thank thank you so much for taking time. Oh no problem. Thank you. I'm definitely for having me on the show. I definitely appreciate this. Sean, uh, thank you for taking time once again to be with us. And you know, we we know that you're 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 a family man. It's got to be hard being on the road and uh, and, uh, and 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 traveling. And this is your first time as a guest with us. Would you be kind enough to tell our listeners how a five ten athlete makes his way into racing? Uh, and all and when I first started, my whole thing was just to ride one race. And uh, my father, he finally said that he would have no problem with me, you know, trying to ride one race. I, I end up having to lose probably, I think, five pounds to do it. Uh, galloped and uh, galloped around Thistledown and got my gate card and everything. And then finally, I got to the first day I went to ride. I ended up riding two horses. So. I said, well, this is going to be my real lucky day. I can ride a couple and then, you know, not have to worry about it. But once I wrote the one, I fell in love with it and been doing it ever since. So, You alluded to your father, uh, Daryl Parker, the first yeah. African-American steward in racing history, appointed to the stand of Thistledown in 86. Right. But yet he had to put down his binoculars once, and why was that? Every time I rode at Thistledown, he had he stepped out of stands uh, so that I can ride. So finally, he come up to me and say, "Well, hey, you're starting to pick up a little more business now, so I think it's going to be time for you to move on and go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> either you're going to ride here, and I'm not going to have a job." So. <laughs> and, and your daddy's at Pinnacle. He's at Pinnacle now. Yes, yes. Terrific and uh, nice little track from what I've heard. I work with a, a fellow from Detroit, and he he likes it. And uh, well, I I think he likes anything from Detroit and or Michigan. He he, he goes for uh, he's he's a homer all the way around. But uh, Daryl actually, I, I work at River Downs, and and I've seen Daryl come in and out, and he knows everyone. Nice guy, very nice oh. guy. And when he told you hit the road, I could see why you left. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, it was, it was something I was doing under him, so I I. I could never take anything away from him, and he's never going to take anything away from me. So that's not at all. He's a true gentleman. And who else besides your father played a role in the successful career as you being the winningest African American rider in history? Well, just growing up, it was. I mean, it's uh, like Oscar Dishman and um, James Jackson. I got to you know watch these guys, and then uh, being. I, I was fortunate enough that my father, he was a um, clerk of scale. So I got, I had to, you know, got to hang around in the jocks room and watch Roberto Rivera Jr. He he was probably my idol, and he was always leading rider at Thistledown at the time. 
and just I just sat and watched TV and just tried to learn as much as I could and watched you know how they carried themselves and everything like that and just watched and learned basically and like I said my father he's taught me everything I've known and he used to always get after me switch sticks and you know you definitely have to hit left hand and do all this right so I mean my dad has been a major part of it and and my family my my uh, mom and my grandmother and them they never really were in the business and never really wanted me to do it but whenever I started doing it they were 150 percent behind me and probably you know my biggest fans too well, not only in racing, but you were an athlete at West High in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, you were uh, you were trying to be an athlete way back when. I'm not gonna say way back when. That sounds that sounds horrible. It makes yeah, us all sound a little right. older. But it, uh, back in the day, you were an athlete even in high school. Yeah, I, was, I actually when I was growing up, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and I think what happened is I kept maybe getting taller, but I never really gained any weight. So when I finally went to high school, I started seeing a couple of guys and how much they were weighing. I was probably weighing about 110, and they were weighing almost 200 pounds. And I started thinking, you know, baseball wasn't really going to be a good thing for me to do. <laughs> I'll tell you what, as a competitive rider, I was chatting with your agent, Billy Johnson, who thinks the world of you, and I think you're in excellent hands. Uh, I think he'll he'll work his fingers to the bone. He made an alluding comment that you may possibly be going to New York this winter. Yeah, we've been tossing that around, and I've told him that, um, you know, if he's willing to go with me, I'll definitely take the chance. And Billy, he's done a hell of a job for me. He's done everything right. I, and we have the business to where I let Billy do his job, and I try to do my job, and Billy's done nothing but excellent for me. So, Hopefully when we go to New York or if wherever we try to go this winter, you know, it works out and he just keeps working as hard as he's done. And I know if, if he keeps working hard, we're going to be successful. Well, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And, and I think you guys make a great tandem because I've watched you in the saddle. I'll tell you what, for a tall fella in the saddle, you ride real smooth. And you got those long legs and you look real steady still in the saddle. I like it when I watch you ride. Thank you. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's harder for a tall rider, but you're always trying to stay as low as you can, just oh, so you, you don't. You get do. The you know, just so you don't get the comment that you're too tall to ride or something like that, which I always get, but I'm used to it now. So. <laughs> well, at five foot ten, it's hard not to notice you when you come out because you're taller than some trainers and and most of the valets. And, uh, and you know, you may be mistaken for a guy in the wrong place at the uh, at the right time. As a very competitive man and uh, an athlete, uh, all his life. But what are some of your goals in the saddle? I I can honestly say my biggest goal is just just keep doing what I'm doing. I don't really, I haven't really. Ever put any goal on it just because I never thought I'd ever be in the position I'm in. And I mean, honestly, I never thought I'd ride as long as I've been riding, and definitely never thought I'd be doing it as good as I'm doing it for being as successful as I've been. So, like, I think the the thing that gets me is that whenever you know people keep telling you you can't do something, you strive to do it more and more, and basically. I'm just loving the game and loving everything that I'm doing right now. So, I, I mean, you always can say you want – I mean, I definitely want to ride in the big races and, and win the big races. You know, that's why I'm hoping this winter we can go somewhere and try to get 
a horse or a couple horses to be in those races. I guess my goal now is just to stay healthy and try to get, you know, get a horse to get me in that position. I think it's only a matter of time and the right, uh, the, the right, uh, timing coming together heading up to new york it's been the the maker of so many great riders in the past pin kai uh you you go with cordero steve cawthon they went up and they weathered the uh, the cold in the and they up in, i mean it's cold everywhere else but uh, i've heard aqueduct has a a cold all into its own and there's so many riders that, that have relished the inner track i think no matter where you ride it's it's going to be exciting you, you know i i have to ask you and and i and i don't mean any disrespect by this question whatsoever but, I, but I'm very curious as an athlete, other than the job of riding, which is tough enough, have you personally had barriers to overcome as one of the few African-American riders in the nation? I'm sorry. I'm okay. I was, uh, I was just firing it out there. As you know, as other than riding, have you personally had barriers to overcome as one of the few African American riders in the nation? Have any barriers to in any uh, barriers? Anything that's held you back? Anything you had to overcome? No, not really. I mean, um, I've I've been lucky and I've been in places and areas that I really haven't had any problem or doing anything or you know anything like that so i'd say no i don't i've never had any barriers to really you know overcome or do anything like that i mean i've, I've, I've my family are, are have been behind me and uh you know my mom and dad my grandmother raised me and they've always taught me you know to be respectful and everything so i mean i haven't really had any uh, barriers like that you know, I, I'm so glad to hear that because with any sports, uh, I was watching something on baseball on ESPN and it talked about people that came up 60 years ago and they had to pay the dues for those that are riding. Now, I, I'm so glad that racing, you know, even though if you look out, there's not a great deal of African-American riders. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no clue. But it just seems like, you know, I watch so much racing all the time. I didn't know if there were any barriers. And you know what? I'm glad that there are there are none and, and everything is, is working out just perfectly for you. Deshaun, I've got five quick questions for you. And as okay. you may have heard Chad Brown, I've got five for you. Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir, I am. <laughs> Question number one, how many more years in the saddle for you? Oh, that's what my uh my kids keep asking me. Um <laughs> keep telling them soon, but uh it's it's something that I love doing and as as long as everything's going good, I can't really put a number on it. I'm hoping not too much longer, but like I said, I love doing it. And as long as I keep winning races and everything, I, I can't really say. Good Lord willing and keeping you healthy. Question exactly. two, do you think you'll make it to the Kentucky Derby someday? Uh, I, was, I would definitely love to see it happen. And I'm going to definitely work hard to try to make it happen. So one of the things I could, I mean, that's that's my goal to do. So hopefully I'll get it done. It's on your bucket list. Yeah. Question three, what's your favorite track to ride? My favorite track as of right now would have to be Mountaineer. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very lucrative for you. If, if you could pick any track out there where you'd like to apply your trade, where would it be? 
I would definitely love to go to Saratoga or to uh, Del Mar or, you know, to I've been to Keeneland and Rhodes, so I can definitely say I love that place, too. Um, just uh, I would definitely love even New York, uh, but Saratoga probably would be one of the top places to go. I have to agree. That that and Delmore and Keeneland would be my top three, and they're all tied because they're just so beautiful. Question four, would you allow or give your advice to any of your children and or relatives who would like to follow in your footsteps? Uh, I, I definitely would allow them because I know the more you tell someone you can't do something, they're going <laughs> to do it. <laughs> and <They fight> you. <laughs> my, my advice would definitely be, uh, to just work hard because it's it's a really hard game to be in and to be around and they they will try to beat you up and beat you down and the more you you know work hard and just keep going after it the better off you are but the main thing is always believing yourself you have to believe in yourself if you want to do it because they're they're going to put you down and if you let them get you down then. You're going to definitely be down, but if you keep your head up and keep striving, you'll do good. That segues into question number five. Who is the toughest rider you've ever faced? Oh, <laughs> I will tell you what. I, I, I love watching Junior Rivera when he rode, and, but I can tell you there was one guy here. He, he was always leading rider when I first came to Mount Mary, and it was, his name was John Burton. He had to be one of the strongest riders down the lane that I've ever seen, like like a pink eye. I've always thought that he was probably one of the toughest riders. Mm. Do not underestimate the smaller circuits. They may not be Saratoga or Del Mar, but there are some guys out there that can ply their trade with the oh, best exactly. of them, and I've seen it. Deshaun, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for taking your time and wish you and yours the best on and off the track. We're going to be watching for you this winter to see where you're going to be, and we'll be looking for you in the winter circle soon as you're five behind Russell the Muscle Bays for leading the nation. Well, I definitely appreciate you having me, and thank you for everything, too. Deshaun, it's been a pleasure. Have a great evening and be safe on the track. That's been Mr. Deshaun Parker, and uh, he's creeping his way up there towards Russell the Muscle Bays. Strike it B. I bet he gets him. Give him some time. This guy can ride. I've watched him horseback. Well, it is time to get into some handicapping here. I believe we've got a few more minutes, and you know, I love to handicap. I don't know about you, but I keep looking and, and I keep, uh, where am I going to be going? And on Sunday, long shop, there's going to be 22 runners in the Arc de Triomphe. Let's see, great group one. Boy, I have a tough time with that. And if you're going to be going to an OTB outlet, the Arc is going to be run on a soft going. They're really concerned about the rain that they're getting in France right now. Long shop, a group one in the Arc, and there are 22 runners. Becca Bad is seven to two, Fame and Glory nine to two, and Workforce five to one or Ladbrokes top three in odds there. Those are your your favorites there. Longchamp on Sunday. So you're gonna be wanting to watch that for the Breeders' Cup. Let's jump right into it, do some hardcore handicapping here in the last few minutes. We have here on Winning Ponies. On Saturday, twelfth race of Hoosier Park, the Indiana Derby, nice grade two, five hundred thousand dollars up for grabs. That is the power of the VLT in the slot. $500,000 up for grass. Grade 2 Indy Derby. It is the 16th running. I saw the very first running 
which was actually almost like a small allowance race because my horse is on the undercard that day. But I saw the very first Indy Derby. It's already 16 under their belt. But I, I think you'd be crazy not to be looking at Lucky. There's a reason Bob Baffert traveled to the Midwest with Martin Garcia aboard. They're 6 for 6 in 2010. I believe this is the prep the three-year-old Colt by Smart Strike is looking for. Maybe a win is not imperative. But looking at Lucky came to the Midwest for a quiet prep, and I think he found it. Plus 500000 to boot. Not too bad. 5-2, to two, go to the windows now and see if you can lock those odds in. That is the Indy Derby race number 12, number 6. Looking at Lucky, 5-2. to two. All right, let's go to Belmont, race number 6. It is the Grade 1 Vosburgh, New York. An incredible weekend up for grabs. Let's go to the four, Latigo, short 10 to 1, J.J. Castellano and the hot hand of Nicky Zito off a million-dollar score in the Penn Derby there. Just ran a beautiful third in the King's Bishop at lights out prices. I see Latigo short gaining a big, big run, backing from seven panels back to six and just had a beautiful work on the, or the Saratoga training tack, 46 and 2. Latigo short 10 to 1. In the Vosburgh, race number seven at Belmont is the beginning of a 500,000 all-stakes pick four. you got to love that. A $500,000 guaranteed all-stakes pick four. The seventh race a mile and a quarter, the Flower Bowl. These are all races that are just pinnacle and peach for the Breeders' Cup. And in here, I like the three changing skies. Johnny Velasquez, Billy Mott training up here. They're two for two at Belmont in the money here. The damn has thrown eight turf winners, nine starters total, eight of them winners, six of them stakes winners. This is a very nice mare by Saddler's Wells, changing skies in the seventh at Belmont. Eighth race at Belmont, I go right to the rail, the one, life at ten. Very speedy mare here by Malibu Moon. Open up at nine to five, catcher if you can. Life at ten in the eighth at Belmont. Ninth race at Belmont is the mile and a half Joe Hirsch Turf Classic Invitational. And I'm going to say box these two. The one grassy. 12 to 1. Christophe Clement and Gogo Gomez here. Fresh off a layoff. 3 for 4 in the money at Belmont. But box them equally. The one and the nine Patty O'Prado, who I fell in love with early on. And still the love affair continues. Kent DeSormo and Dale Romans. Box them up. Because you're going to get 12 to 1 in a shorter price, and Grassy, trust you me, can run. Tenth race at Belmont, rounding out that pick four, and it's the Jockey Gold Club Invitational here. And I love the two blame, eight to five. You're getting Gomez and Al Stahl. They're doing very well together. Little Al Stahl is up there. That's why I made mention about him earlier. We're going to hear from Blame. And I'd also throw in the one fly down who finished a dirty nose short in the Travers that would have continued my pick four. So I'm boxing Blame and fly down. The 10th race at Parks, the Cotillion. 10th race at Parks, the one blind luck, 7-5. Joel Rosario, Jerry Hollendorfer, they're not there for nothing. Use blind luck and use the five. Harvard de Gras, named after a racetrack that uh, once upon a time was, but blind luck is not there for no reason. And then we're just going to jump to the 7th at Hollywood. The Lady Secret is a grade one. And a win by this gal, Zenyatta, would give her 19 for 19 and tire with Pepper Pod. 19. It goes off 6.39 Eastern Time, 3.39. But she's going to have to face Rinterval, who she beat last time out. 
but John Sadler threw an ace up his sleeve, and he threw in Switch, who's going to press Rinterval and hopefully soften him up for Zenyatta. The world will be watching Zenyatta, and Zenyatta is going to be on ESPN. They're going to break in football so we can watch Zenyatta this Saturday. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing and winning ponies. I'd like to thank our special guest, Mr. Chad Brown, Mr. Deshaun Parker this evening, and you for tuning in. It has always been a very big pleasure for me to be with you each and every Thursday, and truth be told, there's no place I'd rather be for this hour talking horses with you. So until next week, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.